Hello everyone, my name is Stephen Platt, and I'm the host of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast. For more information about this and other shows, please visit www.thoughtjarproductions.com. We can also be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Thought Jar Productions, or at Thought Jar Prods. If you would like to receive the latest episodes of the Cinema Catch-Up Club, please subscribe to this podcast series on iTunes and SoundCloud. And now, here is this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast where we watch the films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. This week, we are looking at a documentary for the first time. Uh, The documentary in question we are looking at is An Inconvenient Truth. Uh, Headed by former not-quite-US President Al Gore, the documentary, made in 2006, looks at some of the issues around the climate change epidemic. And the reason that we're looking at it is because there is a sequel coming out titled An Inconvenient Sequel. So, joining me to review this documentary, we have one person who has seen the film and one person who has not. Our person who hasn't seen the documentary and joining us for the second time on the programme, it's Jess Serio. Jess, welcome back to the show. Happy to be back. And uh, just a reminder for the folks at home, who are you and what do you do? Um, Well, I'm Jess. I am a theatre student at Murdoch University. Um, I do a lot of shows there and I love watching films, so mm. looking forward to this one. And you just came off uh, running uh, a stage, no, sorry, stage managing a show, which is running a show, yeah. um, for a pantomime. That's correct, yeah. We did Snow White, or mm. The Secret of Snow White, and it was a very successful, very well done show mm. it was good yes and mm. as someone who paid to see it i can say it was yes it was very good so well done there joining us as our person who has seen the film and making his debut on the podcast it's mr david cox david welcome to the show thank you it's good to be here and uh, just for the folks at home who are you and what do you do i'm david i'm a film graduate from murdoch uh, a videographer and occasional poet Occasional? Occasional. How, how occasional is occasional oh, for a fortnightly. Poem? Fortnightly. I'd say that's I, I emerge from my um, cocoon with uh, a new rhyme every fortnight. Okay. What, like a haiku or a limerick? Or... No, I'm... Actually, haikus don't have to rhyme. Ignore that. I know what poetry is. No, actually, um, poetry doesn't have to rhyme. The last... <gasps> I know, right? The last poem I performed, there's a line specifically, poems don't always have to rhyme. Um... All fit neatly in the same rhythm either, because all of this is free verse and has different legs per line. I know, a little bit ironic, but whatever. Okay, no, that's good. Well, I don't think we've had any poets on before, so that's really good to know. So, uh, let's jump into An Inconvenient Truth. Uh, You have seen the film, David. Yes. Um, Jess hasn't, and I haven't. Uh, Can you just give us a vague, sort of, non-spoilery rundown of An Inconvenient Truth? Um, the basic gist is Al Gore just talks at you and you think the planet is screwed. Um, and there's a, there's a really cool bit with a cherry picker. Okay. Yeah. Which neither. We've not seen it. You've no idea. Oh, you'll love it. Excellent. (laughs) All right. 
Uh, cool. And Jess, obviously, as our person who uh, hasn't seen the film, aside from a cool cherry picker bit, uh, what what do you know of um, of an inconvenient truth? Um, I know it's infamous mm. as a movie. Um, I've heard a lot about how it's opened people's eyes to what's going to happen to the planet in the future mm. and the theories behind it and that sort of thing. And yeah, I didn't know there was a sequel coming out though. So mm. I'll be interested to see how that differs. Yeah. And the sequel, uh, cause I saw the trailer for it the other day very much focuses around the fact that not much has changed for the better. And also it started off very hopeful uh, and then it shows uh, Donald Trump becoming the president mm-hmm. and basically saying these things, uh, which obviously the documentary disagrees with. And it shows him saying, like, you know, we got to build a wall with Mexico. And it shows, like, Al Gore's face just kind of, like, looking shocked in disbelief at what what's happening, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then it rolls into kind of a, yeah, we have to make another film because a lot of stuff hasn't been fixed. Mm. And clearly we're just going to make documentaries until it's fixed. Um but yeah, it's interesting. I've got a review which is from the back of the DVD. So, uh, it's, but it's also from... So you know it's legit. Yes, mm. but it is also from Roger Ebert. So, you know, a relatively well-known film reviewer saying, uh, quote, in 39 years, I have never written these words in a movie review, but here they are. You owe it to yourself to see this film. And quote. So, uh, if Roger Ebert says we should watch it, I guess we should get into it. So you guys ready? Ready and yes. willing. Yes, I am. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, prepare for the guilt trip of your life <laughs> as you watch An Inconvenient Truth. All right, everybody, and welcome back. We have just finished watching An Inconvenient Truth. I'm joined again by Mr. David Cox. Hello. And Miss Jess Serio. Hello. So, guys, what did we think of An Inconvenient Truth? We should start with you, Jess, as the uh, the person in the hasn't-seen-it chair. What did you think? It's fascinating. Mm. It's really, really interesting. It's um, It opens your eyes about a lot of stuff. Certainly, mm. yes. Uh, a lot. There was a lot of information in that film. A lot of information, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think it was delivered reasonably well. I'm, I'm sort of, yeah, it's that thing of just slightly still processing because uh, Al Gore does throw a lot of uh, different facts and figures at you. Uh, yeah. but, but the overall impression is, um, is uh-oh, I think. Yeah, is, basically. Is, yeah. Um, David is obviously the person who's seen it before. Um, I presume it's been a while since you last saw it. Oh, yeah, it's been years. I think I was a teenager when I last saw it. Mm. It's it's still terrifying. It's not like you look at it and be like, oh, all this all this doesn't matter anymore, mm. which is still even more terrifying, um, in a sense. Um, some interesting things was um, there are a few facts in there mm. that like I've I've like don't remember from the documentary, as in like I don't remember associating with the documentary, but I remember them. Yeah, and that's clearly where I learned them from. So something like even though. It's been so many years that, like, a lot of that documentary felt like watching it for the first time again. Mm. Um, a lot of it just has stuck in my head. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I think obviously, um, given the origin of this uh, film being originally a lecture series, I think obviously it's interesting looking because this is essentially a lecture turned into a film, um, which maybe 
would on paper isn't the most compelling idea for a documentary um but obviously um throughout the course of the the documentary we learn al gore has presented this lecture about a thousand times so he's obviously had a lot of time to practice and hone the most effective way of getting the message across of um the this is a really serious issue um and yeah i think it's interesting that Obviously, that speaks to the fact that the information got through in the film form, but it may also speak to the fact that um, the lecture itself is very effective. In you know, in the in that it's still in there. You just don't remember it coming from this particular uh, film. Correct. Mm. So, um, I, I made a couple of notes as we went. Now, the first note—it's it, a very small note—but Al Gore isn't wearing a seatbelt in the car at the start of the film, and I thought for someone, <laughs> I thought if you're going to lecture people on climate change and being safe and all these practices, put a seatbelt on. Just, just a small note. You know, it's just tiny little things. Yeah, it, it is. It is. But, but you know, I just I did look at that, and it's one of my pet peeves when I see people in cars not wearing seatbelts when they're obviously being driven around, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but America. Land of the free and mm. high instance of road accidents. Yes, yes, exactly. And it was kind of like, you know, it'd be a shame to, you know, to get partway through this film and then suddenly have them fly out through the windshield. <laughs> you know, it would be uh, most unfortunate. Um, one, one of the things that kept popping up for me in the first part of this film when I was watching it was um, another American documentary uh, maker, Michael Moore for me uh there was a uh, there was a real sort of connection between some of the presentation style of this film and films by michael moore like bowling for columbine in particular the use of an animation sequence um although this one wasn't specifically made for this uh, i don't believe it looks as though it was just pulled from futurama <laughs> um <laughs> where they have the sequence uh, where um, they explain the sun rays getting trapped and it's uh, yeah, it was interesting that kind of trying to instill bits of humour and levity into quite a serious subject. Did do you think it worked, Jess? I think it worked quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I. I it was interesting, just because. Um. I, I feel as though it's a. A style that is potentially used to like spice up what can be reasonably dry mm. uh, as as documentaries is that a pun it wasn't meant to be um, <laughs> but now. yes it is now thank you david for pointing that out um yeah it was um yeah i it it felt uh, for me it felt like it worked but i i did feel as though watching this film and even though it's very important i was bored at certain points <laughs> and I don't know if it's because we're doing this film review in the morning. Um, we, you know, we're watching this about 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, but there were points where it did seem to drag. And it's it's almost as though, like, every section where we're in the lecture, it's like making a really great, impactful point. And it's like, oh, my God, this thing's melting and this thing's on fire and this thing. But after, like, the fifth or sixth one, it's kind of like, okay, you sort of get that it's quite bad. And I, I don't know if that's if that's just me and i'm i don't know maybe weirdly in like an odd desensitized position to the fact that the planet is dying around me or if that was something that you guys felt as well did it feel as though it dragged no it was the same for me i I was about halfway through i was like okay yeah everything's bad how do we fix the problem Mm. you know yeah and i did i did i did feel that solutions weren't particularly uh, talked about or discussed until right near the end. Yeah, and it was um, only a little bit. Yeah. And although, arguably, David, that could be because the point of this film isn't to offer 
solutions. It's to point out, look at this big problem over here. Yeah. Like, do you feel that's maybe fair? If it's unfair to criticise a lack of solutions? Um, no, I think solutions are uh, definitely important. Um, and it was a little disappointing that it was like a small section at the end. Mm. Um, I like the bit, if you're if your Congress people don't listen, run for Congress. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I didn't find it boring. I was just getting, like, annoyed because it's like, here is the problem. And you're like, I, mm, mm-hmm. this is a problem. Why aren't we fixing it 10 years down the line? And yeah. Then it just kept going. And I'm just like, oh, it's still happening. Mm. Um, and it is interesting. And it's, and it's obviously very prescient. Uh, I mean, just uh, a couple of months ago, we had another great big chunk of Antarctica uh, break off. And that was all over the news because it was a really big old bit of ice was just whoop, off it goes. Um, and it does... You know, it's still relevant. Like you say, there's very little in the information that's presented is, has changed. Uh, they had a bit towards the end about the Kyoto Agreement where they say the only two developed nations uh, that aren't that haven't signed it are the United States and Australia. And Australia signed it within a year of that film coming out. Um, so, you know, there's not much in there which doesn't technically hold true. Um, it, you know, it, it's still relevant. You know, we still have all this very uh, bad, potentially catastrophic um, conditions happening, which are almost certainly caused by uh, changes to the climate that we're doing. And it, it's weird that it it sometimes feels controversial to say that it, it, in some respects because of the amount of, I, I suppose, feedback you get from people who are essentially saying, no, it's crap. <laughs> um, and, it, like, I yeah... I, I don't know whether I feel disheartened or not that it's it's still such an issue more than a decade after this film came out. Mm. Well, it's it's weird because it's like we're just three people sitting around. We all agree and we just watched a documentary where a man lectured a bunch of people in a room that had paid to see him. Like they, they probably presumably already agreed. Like we're all just mm. in this big... Uh, echo chamber or bubble of being like yeah this is a bad idea Mm. Um, there's a guy wearing a t-shirt that says he hates bill o'reilly quite clearly in one of the (laughs) in one of the crowd shots so you know yeah you're right there is a lot of this um this echo chamber as you call it where it's kind of like you know they agree the three of us watching the film um are looking at it and going okay well based on evidence that has been presented and our own experiences yes, it would appear that the climate is changing and that the cause of that is is a man-made change, at least, like, well, I'm going to say at least partly, just so I don't annoy some people, but it, but it is... Volcanoes exist, man. They do, they do, and they, they haven't signed the Kyoto Agreement. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... But yeah, it, it, it is weird, but maybe maybe the, the good thing about this film... And the, f- the fact that the film was quite successful at the time. I mean, it won two Academy Awards uh, for Best uh, Documentary and Best Original Song. Um, so the fact it was a successful film that had a good, strong run in theatres, which is not something you often see for documentaries, um, perhaps it had a very positive impact in a way that the lecture series that it started out as wouldn't have. Um, it certainly made Al Gore more relevant post his... Um, his failure to become the US president in the 2000 election. Um, 
to the point where obviously he's uh, in South Park as the <laughs> and talk about Mount Bear Pig, <laughs> which you know, admittedly they're taking the mick out of him from this film and from some of his other stuff, but he's remained uh, a semi-relevant voice in the world, particularly when talking about things like climate change, as opposed to all those other. Um presidential nominees that you can't name yeah i mean I, I was thinking about it as i was going i was like i do wonder if we're going to see a hillary clinton led documentary about something that she feels passionate about uh, probably not but yeah um and, uh, actually oddly john mccain still uh, very much relevant in u.s politics but you're right there's not too many people who failed to become the, the united states president that often remained that relevant uh, i suppose what do we think of al gore as a host well, I don't know a lot about Al Gore. Mm. I've heard of him. Mm. I had no idea who he really was. Mm. Uh, I didn't know he'd run for president. Really? So no, I didn't. I don't really pay attention too much. Okay, I, I suppose. And I, started... I also suppose it was seventeen years ago that he did that, and uh, you are twenty-five. Twenty-five. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you, you that can yeah. be forgiven, I suppose, somewhat. <laughs> um, but yeah. So did you feel you? Uh, obviously, you. We saw a lot of Al Gore in his life and his. Uh, background and upbringing what what do you think of him having seen this documentary now um i think he's fighting in a court for a cause he believes in mm. um i think events in his life have led up to him being more passionate about this mm. um like the thing that happened to his son yeah his son getting hit by um a car and luckily yeah, it's awful surviving but but yeah. obviously giving him a, a moment to pull back and reevaluate um mm. as well you know whilst in the middle of his political career which is not something that happens often and you're right and also uh what happened with his sister as well with yeah. the um uh with her passing away from lung cancer and the fact that they used to grow tobacco on the farm mm. yeah it, it is interesting that he tries to frame what he's doing from a position of here are some life lessons i've learned which whilst maybe not entirely relevant to a climate change discussion I, I, I suppose it's that thing of almost humanizing him because to a lot of people at the time watching it they would know him as the guy who was almost president and mm. you know they might just view him as he's just a politician that mm. sort of thing where he's going no no i'm a human being that has feelings and like here's my background and all that um it also helps to flesh out what seems to be like a 40 minute lecture yeah it like, does it doesn't feel like we missed content in that lecture yeah like the film has to go for an hour and a half <laughs> yeah i mean the, yeah the in all likelihood a lecture like that is probably an hour tops so yeah you do need to flash it out do you feel that those little snippets where we saw these um algor allegories that happened <laughs> do, do you think um they actually helped the film or did you feel that maybe it was like oh, i'll get back to the lecture uh, I'm never going to say get back to the lecture. <laughs> um, I've, I'm long since graduated. Mm. But no, yeah, I, I, I thought that it was definitely a good addition, not just like narratively, but like it does help you engage just to have a moment to step back from the barrage of facts mm. to um, here's a story that actually has a personal human element to it. So we did see this cherry picker scene that you were talking yes. about before. Um, I'm curious, um, Jess, the cherry picker this is a section where uh, Al Gore climbs into a cherry picker and uses it to go up in height next yeah. to this chart to make a very specific point about uh, rising temperature and CO2 emissions. Uh, did it work for you? Yeah, it was. I thought it worked quite well. It, you know, it creates an impact. 
mm. you know that's that's why it's one of the images that you'll probably remember 10 years down the line mm. after seeing this film the rest will slowly fade from memory mm. like that cgi polar bear yeah, oh, yeah. that was <laughs> i mean i actually think that was quite impactful despite the fact the animation was like well this isn't happy feet and this is the same year happy feet came out and it's like okay there's a budgetary difference and you know it's a documentary about climate change it's not from a big animation studio it did look as though it belonged in like a 90s mint commercial uh, <laughs> But it, it was, I thought that was actually reasonably impactful. The little polar bear in the middle of the ocean, like trying to get on the ice and it's breaking. And he's like, oh no, I'm a stupid polar bear. I'm not going to survive out here. Uh, I actually thought it was, it was quite sad. It is and, sad. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also realized that it was like, I was projecting this emotion on a badly rendered <laughs> <laughs> polar bear. This polar bear never existed, but obviously it's that thing of saying, but all these other ones did and they drowned and it's awful. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I was surprised we saw a lot of nature but we didn't see a lot of animal based nature and I I think like we saw a little bit about the birds which were hatching earlier to try and catch up with the caterpillars that had hatched earlier and like oh this is sad there's lots of birds which are uh, not well and I don't know if this is like a cultural difference between uh, I guess an American documentary style and what I'm more traditionally used to which is a British documentary style where I feel a British version of this film would have focused more on the animals because so many UK documentaries are about animals. That's why David Attenborough is David Attenborough because where I come from, and I think it's the same in Australia with a lot of documentaries which focus on um, the animal kingdom. Uh, and I, it just I mean, How could you not want to point a camera at a platypus? Exactly, exactly. Um, and I... I Obviously, you know, we saw a lot of things with the ice sheets, with the glaciers, with the trees and things like that. And it was a real focus on the the aesthetic beauty of the natural world, mm. which did include animals, but weren't a big part of it. But I, yeah, I, I'm just thinking about it now. I almost wonder whether showing more sad animals, aside from like a digital polar bear, mm. would that potentially have had a, a an, an impact or... Or perhaps is that going too much into the realms of, of Twee? Um, well, I think if they covered every aspect of this issue, we would have been here for hours. Hmm. You know, um, Maybe they could have shown a bit less of the physical earth and more of hmm. the plants and animals on it. Um, yeah, I mean... I- yeah, but then again, I, I suppose it's that thing of going, uh, they're trying to create something that everyone can relate to. Mm. What can everyone relate to? The rock we're standing on, yeah. I suppose. But yeah, it, it is interesting because they did make the point of like that first photograph of the earth from the late 60s, mm. which helped inspire a lot of the environmental movements that came into action in the early 70s. Um, I think it's also in part scale. Like, mm. it's very easy to be like, look at this huge landscape and how drastically it's changed. And that is a very obvious visual cue of change as opposed mm. to here's a tiny bird mm. and we have to explain what's happening to it through graphs. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I suppose that's, that's mm. fair. I mean, I, I think it was still very effective in getting its message across. Um, but I also feel a lot of it was quite samey. In, in that respect. Yeah. And like, uh, I felt that a little bit with the charts as well. There's some really good charts in this film. If you like charts, <laughs> like just in terms of like from a, a, an aesthetic style of how charts are put together, there's some real nice charts in this film. But there were a lot of them. 
And I know it's trying to communicate a lot of data, but it did start to become quite samey, mm. was was my feeling. Um, and yeah, I, I, I suppose it's, it's, it's weird because trying to review this film, having come from an aspect where all the previous films that we've done so far have been basically for entertainment purposes, whereas this is not entertaining um, and it's not meant to be. Like this, this is educational. I suppose it, it it is kind of a weird gear shift mentally in terms of as a review. I don't know if that's how you feel, Jess, having uh, come from RoboCop a couple of weeks ago to to this. Yeah, well, there is a slight difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, RoboCop isn't. It's a documentary, like, true. isn't it? Yeah, like, of course, it's real. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I'm um, sorry, it's, it's not real. <gasps> sorry. Um, yeah, I thought it's it's good that we. I think it's good that we reviewed this one. It's mm. um, it is an important issue, and you know, can't all be fun and games. All no, the I'm time, afraid so. not. Um, okay, so, what was your like most concerning thing that you discovered from watching this film in terms of like what is the the natural disaster that most concerns you of like the various plethora that were on offer. Um, like for example, I'll, I'll I'll throw in mine. Uh, Greenland melting <laughs> is <laughs> is kind of like um, a big issue for for me. I felt that was the one where it was like, okay, that's that's bad, <laughs> that's real bad. And like I really liked that particular bit where they show um, what's going to happen and the fact that you have the water seeping through Greenland and going underneath and then essentially creating the lubrication through the Moulin level um, to create bits of ice that break off and go and do their own thing. Uh, they could technically be called Mulan rogues, which... Oh, no. God. <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, sorry about you that. You get one rogue joke, <laughs> and that's it. Uh, what about you guys? Um, yeah, that was actually the same one for mm. me. I'm looking at a city the size of Manhattan or Beijing or whatever, and looking in retrospect to ye old Perth, mm. And thinking, wow, you mm. know, there's not going to be anything left of the, the place I've lived in for 25 years mm. if something like that happens. Yeah, uh, I think we're all in agreement that that rising sea levels are terrifying, mm. uh, especially uh, considering Australia is mostly coastal cities. Mm. I, uh, we're, yeah. a lot of us, going to be really screwed if it raises a significant amount. Yeah. Yeah, so let's try not do that i yeah. think is what it's what we're getting hey to here. kids don't kill the planet yeah, yeah. but Fun in retrospect <laughs> the other end of the spectrum is the heat temperatures rising i mean killing all those people in europe mm. with those heat waves yeah um in australia those heat waves are pretty normal but if they go any higher well, um, yeah. I mean, I I was still living in the UK at the time of those heat waves. Heat waves. It was just before I emigrated, actually. Mm. So it was like a good test run for me, mm. um, <laughs> because yeah, we we had days where um, there was one day in particular. I was in Manchester, and it was in like the high twenties, which is Celsius, which is very unusual. And there was a football match on the Community Shield, and uh, that was played in London. Um, and the temperature down there was like 38, 39 degrees Celsius. I remember that quite clearly and just being like, that's hot. And then, <laughs> and, and it was, it, and it's one of those things where, yeah, it was, an, it was an area of the world that wasn't used to those temperatures. Yeah. 
and it had a massive impact on infrastructure, on people dying from heat stroke and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, the, the whole temperature rise thing, equally quite scary. Mm. Um, I thought the CGI frog was slightly better than the polar bear, just on <laughs> the CGI oh, animals. Oh, good. You've got, you've got your dose of animals there. Yeah, I know. I just I, I feel like I just wanted some actual real animals a bit yeah. more, maybe, mm. than... Like than f- like five there were only three in there you like five would have been a good amount of mm. dying animals yeah although they saved that frog they pulled him out they before did. he bawled to death so yeah, that was sweet yeah oh. Oh, so th- and it's then, okay. like, is this the sequel an inconvenient sequel is just like trump like grabbing a frog and then just like holding it underwater well we'll have to find out when when it uh <laughs> comes out because it's uh due to come out shortly here in australia i believe it's already out in the u.s so We'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, the credits at the end, I thought, were a nice touch where they have advice about what you can do, like you say, about um, contact your congressperson and if they're not listening, run for Congress. I thought stylistically that was quite nicely done, where you had the, um, the words sort of flying around and the letters becoming other letters. Um, you know, but again, it did feel like, oh, we've not talked about solutions quick, let's tack this onto the mm. end. Like it was, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I liked it, but at the same time, it did feel just a little bit added on at the end because the film kind of goes, everything's really bad and bye. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Now we've got you fired up. Yeah. Here's some additional reading. Mm. Um, hope that you can read. Yes. So having now watched this film, Jess, how do you feel about the future? Uh, pers- your own personal future and indeed the future of human civilization as we know it. Oh, look, I live in hope, mm. but it's not looking good. Mm. Um, I mean, personally, I save as much power and electricity and recycle as much as I can. I do as much as I can. And uh, when I was overseas recently, I saw a lot of electric cars and a lot of mm. that sort of thing in Europe, yeah. which was really, really interesting to see. So I've, I am hopeful mm-hmm. that we will improve. But um, I'm also not looking forward to possibly bombing ourselves back to the Stone Age. True, but that might help the planet. It might. (laughs) On the the plus side, if it's like suddenly uh, there's no more humans around to pollute the atmosphere. Exactly. Then it might be okay. I mean, obviously, if we don't use nuclear weapons, because then that creates a whole other kettle of Mm. uh, two-headed fish. There is a society out there about like, oh, humans are bad. Let's not breed. So it's just a bunch of people who have just decided just to stop doing things when they... Interesting. Okay. I've not come across them yet. I can't remember what they're called. (laughs) I mean, they're clearly not that large because the whole point of it is to die with no offspring. Mm. So you can't really propagate your society very well. Yeah. Yeah, that does suggest a little bit of a dead end, but <laughs> I suppose if it's the point, then go yeah. for it. Uh, David, the future, hopeful, uh, uh, despairing. I look, Trump can only be in power for a maximum of eight years, so yeah, there is hope. Mm, I mean, well, you know, for now. <laughs> Who knows what, you know, there could be an emergency protocol. He could Franklin D. Roosevelt that thing <laughs> oh. and say... No, I need a third and then a fourth term. And then, uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, we'll see. I, I to, be, to be honest, like, yeah, I, I do think um, it's maybe not controversial to go, I don't think Donald's helping the situation. No. But I think 
he is not the biggest part of the problem. I think there are there. more systemic issues uh, which like were present when this film was made and Donald Trump was just a reality TV star. So, um, yeah, I, I think I, for me, I, to me, I think there's, I certainly think there is uh, hope, but I, I also, that that hope has taken a severe battering just on a personal view over the last like two, three years of uh, things that have happened uh, around the world uh, politically. Um, and, yeah, uh, ultimately, uh, good film, but I don't feel great. I think is no. is the way to put it. I did, <laughs> I did go through the IMDb trivia trawl, which is something I do each week. Is I have a look at IMDb in the trivia section. There's not a huge amount for this, uh, given that it's a documentary. Um, the original DVD case was made from 100% recycled cardboard, so you know that's that's nice. The uh, slideshow that is shown throughout the film is made in Keynote, which was the same thing that uh, Steve Jobs liked to use for all of his Apple things, and there was a lot of Apple laptops yeah. appearing in this film, which mm. admittedly a lot of the film is Al Gore on a laptop <laughs> <laughs> typing and... Uh, you know, Here's a bit. dramatic reenactment of him making the slideshow that you were about to see. Yeah. Mm. Scoring the film. Uh, we like to try and score the film uh, out of 10. We acknowledge that putting a numerical numbering <laughs> system on artistic, or in this case educational endeavours, is not necessarily... Uh, the most important of pursuits but we do it anyway because it's also fun uh jess what would you give an inconvenient truth out of 10 um probably a six a hard six a hard six yeah nice hard six yeah it was a bit boring Mm. eventually yeah I, I, I think ultimately, like, we are scoring this as a film. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, in terms of impact raising awareness, all that sort of thing, it's like, it's it would be a higher score. Oh, yeah. But as a film, I think, yeah, a hard six is your score. Yeah. Okay. David, what would you give it out of ten? I would give it a seven. Really? Yeah. I thought it was a little bit more engaging than I'm getting the vibe from you two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was uh, a good attempt to create a, a narratively and stylistically interesting way to present what is effectively a powerpoint lecture yeah i think for me personally um i wasn't overly enamored with it as a film uh although the content was uh interesting i i uh, i don't know if it's just that maybe there are ways of presenting that information which i might possibly have found more engaging or not um I suppose if I'm scoring it as a film, uh, probably, I th- yeah, it's hard because I, I really like the content, but I don't like the film. <laughs> it, it, it's hard. So I think I am just going to have to give it five cherry pickers out of ten. I think <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not a great film, oh. but it's an important film. Mm. And I'm very glad that I have actually now watched it. Um, and that we were able to cover it on this show. Uh, so thank you very much, Jess. Of course. And David for coming on to the podcast. You're welcome. And uh, that is it for An Inconvenient Truth. Uh, for those of you listening at home, a reminder that you can uh, download this podcast from iTunes or from SoundCloud and make sure that you uh, subscribe and leave your reviews there. And also we are available on facebook just search for the cinema catch-up club podcast and you can suggest uh, other films or indeed uh, documentaries that you'd like us to cover uh, but that is all so until next time 
Bye bye. You guys can say bye too if you want. Bye now. Bye bye. Goodbye.